Thank you. 2,000 podcasts. It is a, it's a lot. It's a lot to sort of get your arms around. And people ask, how do you do 2,000 podcasts? And the answer is you just do it one day at a time. And uh, so grateful for the entire experience. So grateful for all the wonderful guests that we've had that are the star of the show. I'm grateful for you, the listener, because you are the reason for the show. Without question, uh, doing this podcast had made me a, a better a better person. It's made me a better professional, a better husband, dad, friend. Certainly, it's made me a better podcaster. So from the bottom of my heart, I really want to say thank you. This has been a, a real blessing and a joy and fun and all of those things. It's given me the opportunity to to learn about topics I never even knew existed and to start thinking new thoughts and do things that were beyond my comfort zone and my understanding. It's been an opportunity to explore my creativity and nurture it and just so much new learning. So it's been an incredible experience and look forward to continuing it for the next thousand or 2000 or 10,000 or however many shows that we do. Um, you're probably well aware that we launched a uh, website for the show lifeblood.live um, a year or so ago or actually going on two years ago and uh, that's been a really neat project if you've not checked that out please do it's all guest generated we've got uh, obviously podcast episodes on there and written content from our guests and coaching opportunities and courses and all kinds of new things and we're always introducing other new ideas and trying to make the show better and more effective in the spirit of that, we are releasing today the Lifeblood Journal, and this is a project that I got excited about early on this year and thought what cool way or what better way to sort of commemorate the body of work that we've done than to um, have everybody put their heads together, all of our guests, and uh, create a, a daily journal that can help people to get better and live how they want, which is obviously the whole idea behind the show. So check out the Daily Journal. Uh, I'm super proud of it. I couldn't be more happy with the way that it turned out. And I think that it can be a benefit to you as well. So you can find it in the notes of the show, a link to it, or um, and I'll, I'll certainly link everywhere that you can find. You can find it on the website and all that good stuff. So anyway, thank you again. Super grateful. Here's to uh, 2,000 more. I'm left with this George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Caleb Silver. Caleb, are you ready to do this? I am ready. So good to be with you as always, my friend. Yeah, let's go. And welcome, of course, maybe not of course, to our 2000th episode. Caleb joins us every 500 episodes or so. He was kind enough to be here for the 500th, the 1000th, the 1500th, and now the 2000th. So thank you again, Caleb. My pleasure. I'm like a locust. I come back every 500 episodes or so. Right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So, Caleb, 
is see caleb i've done 2000 episodes and i said the opening different and i totally kind of screwed it up and lost my train of thought but caleb is of course the editor-in-chief and svp of content with investopedia they are the leading source for learning being empowered and getting in control of your financial future so caleb tell us a little bit about your personal life some more about your work and why you do what you do yeah, I'm fortunate. I have one of the coolest jobs in the world where I get to be the editor-in-chief of Investopedia. We've been around since 1999. And as you know, in internet years, that's like 200 years. So we are internet 1.0, but still here, still strong. And our mission is the same as it's always been, but even more intense right now, which is trying to drive financial literacy, education, and help people understand money so they can have control of it in their lives and build the future that they want. And we're just leaning further and further into that. My job is to be the editor-in-chief. Doesn't mean I edit every single thing on the site. We have an amazing, talented editorial team. Uh, but my job is really also to be the sort of the, you know, the, the front of the train, telling people what's going on, investor sentiment, explainer-in-chief, helping people understand what's happening in the economy, the markets, with policy, with their money. And that's a really cool place to be. And I also get to have my finger on the pulse of what 20 million unique visitors a month are thinking about and concerned about and searching for. So we have that first touch sentiment that we get with our readers. And I get to go talk about it with you and talk about it on TV and on other podcasts and on my own podcast, the Investopedia Express. So that's a pretty cool place to be for somebody who started out in the restaurant business in Santa Fe, New Mexico uh, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. It's 20 million unique visitors coming every month to learn something new, uh, to explore uh, money and finance, be more confident, all those things. And how many articles do you all have, roughly? We got about 38,000 to 40,000 different articles, terms, FAQs, um, definitions. We also have a very popular stock simulator, a free paper trading simulator where people learn how to invest and trade and how markets actually work. So that's pretty popular as well. But you know, this site, as I said, is a, it's coming on 23 years old and we've been adding content nearly every year we've been around. I've been here almost uh, seven and a half years. Yeah, I know that whenever I have a question myself, I Investopedia is the first place I go. And even if it wasn't, it would be the number one result if I were to search it. So, <laughs> and it's a super we powerful so. tool. Those uh, the the stock simulator, the trading simulator. I know that if you were just to go and get a brokerage account, it'd be super confusing. So to be able to go and practice and and and, and sort of get a feel for it is a super valuable thing. So, and you are. Caleb, an, an accomplished chef. Last episode, we we talked about some of your favorite dishes to make. And I was hoping we could talk a little bit about self-expression and creativity because it takes so many different forms. You can do that through song, you know, writing, cooking. Um, so how do you how do you think about creativity? How do you think about expression and and I guess expressing yourself? Well, I think you're asking the right guy. And I would say I'm a great cook, not a great chef. I think there's a big difference there, different <laughs> level, but I can cook a lot of different things and I'm very efficient in the kitchen, but I'm an art major too. I grew up uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico in the restaurant business, but I was surrounded by a lot of art. I've always been into filmmaking and documentary making. Uh, visual art was always my jam. And uh, I did that in college. And then I became a documentary filmmaker and then a journalist um, because I really like storytelling, storytelling through pictures, 
storytelling through words. So that's always been really core to me. I get to do that in different ways now. We don't go out and do a lot of video, a lot of video features, but I did start my own, restarted my own production company a few years back. So I could produce films. And I've worked on a couple of good short films that are on the festival circuit right now. A couple of them uh, have done very, very well with a filmmaker, a very talented filmmaker in New Mexico, who's a good friend of mine. So I'm able to con- keep making art even though I spend a lot of my time in journalism, but then I try to take my creativity to what I do as well. So I talk a lot on TV. I talk a lot on podcasts, but I also have my own podcast and for better or for worse. And I don't know why uh, I have to freestyle intro every single one of my podcasts in some rap version because I'm a hip hop head and I just can't stop thinking that way. So I try to get my creativity out wherever I can, wherever it makes sense. And unfortunately, for for those listeners, they get to hear that every single week for me on Monday mornings on the Express. But that's one way I get to do it. I also do it in the kitchen. I also do it by trying to uh, fund and promote filmmakers and other artists who are doing really cool work that I want to be attached to because I want to keep that part of me active. I have the journalism part. I have the filmmaking part. I have the, what goes on in the kitchen. And then I have whatever is going on between my two ears. You're an art major. How, how did your parents feel about that? Does that even matter? Was it always what you were going to do? my parents and especially my mom is an avid art collector. So it wasn't that much of a surprise to them. I went to, uh, did a semester abroad in Florence when I was in, in college and they knew I was super into Renaissance art and Italian filmmaking. So none of that was too much of a surprise to them. And there was never any push. My dad's an investment banker. So I grew up around finance. I understood the terminology uh, to a certain extent. I understood the way businesses work and how money is raised. So I was, I always had my sort of eye on that. Even my grandfather, Father sold mutual funds in the hills of uh, Tennessee and the Appalachians in the 60s and the 50s and 60s. So there was always a little bit of that going on in my family. But I was attracted to art and artists and grew up around it and grew up around a lot of talented people. So it never surprised them. But what they knew about me, and this has always been the case, is that I'm a hustler. You know, I started working when I was 12 years old. I always wanted to control my own money. I was wanted to make it myself. I always wanted to try to get next level. And they watched me do that throughout my, you know, my uh, teenage years and into college and through college and then into what I do today. I love it. Do you think that, do you think everybody's creative? I think everybody has it in them. I think some people are just better at letting them out. My daughter, both my daughters are super creative. One is really into fashion and design and a great singer. The other is a singer-songwriter. And, you know, uh, she'll disappear for a couple of days into her room and come out with six songs, uh, beautifully written songs with, you know, with the music to go with it. And so that comes out of her naturally. It's what she has to do. I let it out of me. And some people never let that window open. But I think it's in all of us to a certain extent. And I know I think we we know it when we feel it. Just some people are better at getting it out there. And some people have created good platforms where that's what they do. And if you know great artists like I know great artists, or even the ones we don't know, it's not that they feel like doing it. It's that they have to do it, right? It's a part of who they are. And that's their way of expressing themselves. And I envy people who can just let it rip. What is the value of of creativity for you? Yeah, it's 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 getting those neurons firing inside my brain that are there and they want to dance but they don't always get to do that following the markets and doing what I do in my, you know my normal job. So it's getting it's letting them out a little bit 
And you never know what happens when that happens. And the best results I've ever had in my career, when I'm mixing sort of my business mind with my creative mind, you know, I, I was uh, at CNN for years. I ran CNN Money Video for a while. That was about creating programming, creating online video programming. That was this combination of things that I do well, like understanding the business of media and business of of online video, and then being able to create shows around it. And even here, uh, with all the things, all the temples that we create here, there's that mix of art and science that. I'm fascinated with. My favorite artists are the Renaissance artists, especially Leonardo and Caravaggio and those guys. But Leonardo, what was he? He was mixing art and science and art imitating life. And I love that. I'm obsessed with that. And if anytime I can find the opportunity to do that, that's when I feel like I'm at my best. So that's the value. It's sort of like bring the things into your personal gumbo that taste the best, that mix the best together. And, and you're going to get the best out of yourself. Yeah. I, I grew up and uh, as a kid, I, I think I was pretty artistic. I really liked writing and then I just stopped doing it. I got into the financial services industry and in, in the corporate sort of box I was in, I just it being expressive and creating new ideas and publishing them was a huge red flag. There's no way you could do that. And so it took me till about 35 and then I started to uh, just express and, and, and create content. And I can speak from just for me, what a huge difference that has made. It's like once I start actually using my brain and writing things down, you talked about neurons firing, just new things started popping and more of it wanted to come out. And I just, I have to think that that's probably true for a lot of people and we'd probably be a lot happier and I guess more contented and I, I, maybe even less angry. I, I don't know if if we were to tap into that a little bit and open one of those windows, as as you talked about. Yeah, and and you know you do it through your great program here as well. You you've taken that to audio. This is a form of art in and of itself, the art of conversation and the art of audio journalism. So that's one way of doing it as well. But isn't it funny, George? How when you start it up again. You got that going and it fired those neurons and it's almost like dopamine where it's like you feel weird if you're not doing it right mm -hmm. it's wrong like for me when i stop and i try to take a, a few days or i do something else for a week or i travel i feel weird when i'm not on that cycle because i get used to that feeling of those creative juices flowing again and you miss it just kind of like going to the gym you know it hurts for the first few days but then you cannot imagine not doing it mm -hmm. you have a lot on your plate obviously and you have desires to do the things that we've been talking about to make films to uh you know do the do a little bit of hip-hop when, when you're opening your podcast and just so much do you just carve out time do you look for opportunities and then take advantage of them as 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 they pop up uh to be creative yeah yeah, I mean, whenever they pop up, but also, you know, I push myself into doing things outside of my normal jam just so I am forced into those environments, whether it's going to see some art, uh, you know, just taking a, a Saturday dash into the Met with my wife coming home, uh, coming up town, we just you know jump in for an hour just to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, you definitely want to do that. But also, you know, I try to be around people who don't do what I do all the time. So, you know, it's, it's easy to get in the echo chamber of FinTwit and financial services. I have such good friends and a great network there that I've built over the last 28 years or so. But I make sure that I am 
hanging out with the filmmakers, hanging out with the musicians, going to hear some weird Afro fusion jazz up in Harlem, you know, doing something really different that shakes it up for me a little bit, or even like going to the opera. Well, I took my wife and my in-laws to the opera the other day. It was fantastic. You know, I don't, I do that maybe once every 10 years, but put yourself in the New York opera, you know, at the Metropolitan Opera with the best in the world, that really gets you going. So try to make yourself do the things that you just sometimes don't feel like you feel like doing, but you know, you're going to be better for doing. I, I put myself in those positions and I always appreciate it. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And for any kind of growth to happen, obviously, it's obvious once I'm, once these words leave my mouth to everybody who's listening that in order to grow and improve, you need to put a little stress on yourself and a little strain. And so that can be around putting yourself in situations that are different or uncomfortable because it's new people or whatever the case might be, just different than what you're accustomed to um, that, that will allow you to grow. Uh, change gears a bit. Um, how do you feel about all this new AI stuff that's happening, regardless of the platform, people are posting these AI generated pictures of themselves. Obviously, it sounds like you can write a term paper in 10 seconds, and I'm sure blog posts can happen fast. What are your thoughts on, on AI? Yeah, well, you can imagine for a business like ours that depends depends on giving people great results on the internet when they usually come to us through a search engine. This could either be the worst thing that ever happened to us or the best thing that ever happened to us or just another thing that happened to us that we adapted to. And I'm going to take that road because I don't want despair of, oh my God, chat GPT and AI are taking over, you know, the, 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 the work of, you know, online education and educating people about money. Um, I think that's super dangerous. And as you know, you're in this industry, the personal touch is everything. The relationship is everything. A computer could tell me how to allocate, but having a conversation with you about my needs, wants, goals, um, nuances of my life, it's very personal to me. So I think that there is a world in which we grow into this AI world, into that, into that space as Investopedia, which has been around for 23 years, as I say, I see another 25 years of us finding our footing there and being a super valuable presence to people because people trust us. And that's awesome. That's everything on the internet. And we work really hard on trying to provide the best information. And if there's a way to do that, that's enhanced through AI, but still gives people that sense of trust and that sense of, I've really learned something so I can make a better decision. That's our future too. So I'm going to go with the, not the best, not the worst. We're going to find a path through this. I don't know if every other business will be able to do that, but I do believe in finance and in health, two very, very important things that we uh, search for on the internet a lot, and they're core to the way we exist. I think that they'll always have a place for the human touch and the uh, professional editor's touch uh, and experts. And that's that's where we're coming from. Yeah, I think that is a a very, very wise way to look at it and a great way to frame that. It's not the best thing, not the worst thing. It is just the next thing and certainly not going anywhere from my estimation. So fascinating. In terms of... Um, and I feel like I could probably ask you this every time that you're kind enough to come on the show. Uh, as, as you're looking at the way that that journalism is is being done and how people pay for it, um, there are new subscription models and there's Patreon and there's ads generated and commercials on TV and this, that, and the other thing. Is there a best, a worst? It just kind of is. What are your th thinking on that? How do you try and evaluate the future? 
Yeah, that that is tricky because almost everybody can be a broadcaster of some sort or a narrowcaster of some sort, depending on what pro, a platform you're using. Um, but it's also the more extreme get and the more people that are able to do it, the more important it is for the trusted voices to rise to the top. And I know that sounds a little Pollyannish, but, you know, great journalism is necessary, you know, for us to to have a civil society and some of the best journalism i've seen has come out in the last few years and even though it seems like nobody's listening because there's so many other things going on we need it to be able to make good choices so i always think that there's going to be a place for it and those trusted voices that prove over and over again that they're really trying to get to the truth that matters more than anything but everybody can do it and i i admire a lot of people that are out there that are not quote unquote journalists uh who are doing it. there's a lot of influencers out there there's a lot of activists out there there's a lot of educators out there that don't come from j school like i did right that didn't work for the bloombergs and the cnns but they're super effective at what they do so we we can't say no this is a gated community and only those with a capital j are allowed in because i also believe that journalism like cooking is one of those crafts right you can be you can go to culinary school and become a chef or you can go cook your butt off for 10 years in a really intense kitchen and become a chef. It's the tools that ultimately get you there in the time and then the you know rinse and repeat of doing this over and over again that makes you really good at what you do. And you don't have to have that degree necessarily. You just have to be transparent and helpful to people. And I think that kind of journalism, the new journalism, so to speak, is is really important. And that's, we just have to accept that that's, what, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, it's a, as the next five years will be in the next 10 years, it'll be a very, very dynamic time. And we're trying to all muddle our way through the use of social media and now artificial intelligence. And I think that I'm really interested in just learning what is true and knowing what is true. And then I can make my own mind up about certain things. And to your point that people will always have a need to go to trusted sources to say, okay, you know what? I, I, I'm confident that what I'm getting is the facts. And uh, and this is a place that I can trust. I, I'm so. optimistic. I, I have teenage girls and they're on you know social media all day long, but they're pretty savvy and they know what's what. They know what's not real. They know it's a deep fake. They know how to look to see what the source of the source is now. Now, I'm a journalist and I've kind of imbued that in them as well, but I'm around their friends as well. They are smarter than a lot of us think, but that's the crew that I'm around. It's a big country, it's a big world, but I do think that younger people are a little smarter than we give them credit for. They're just exposed to a lot more than you and I ever were. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, Caleb, you are you're working in videos and you're obviously a journalist and you are cooking, you are making films, you are doing all of these things. What else? What 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 uh what what are some of the, the the things that are bubbling around in your head that maybe haven't come out yet that uh that you're hoping to be able to spend more time on in the future? Yeah, well, I I love the filmmaking uh uh frenzy that we're on right now. I'm really enjoying that i love being a part of that because it is so different from what i do on the daily and i love being a participant in that so that's been fun but i think you know we have found and i have found a mission really uh the north star for investopedia and certainly for me 
uh, as the editor in chief, which is we are really good at giving people information on what they're looking for. But those are the people that are already looking for that information. We're not reaching enough of the communities that aren't, don't have access to financial education, don't have access to financial information, don't really have that foundation to help them either get out of debt and start building wealth and living the life that they want to live. So we are on a mission to provide free financial literacy curriculum, lessons, teacher training, resources to public schools around the country for uh, kids in first grade all the way through senior year and into college to make sure that they understand the basics. Now, there's a lot of good material out there and there's a lot of good school districts doing amazing things, but there's a lot of schools out there that aren't getting any of this. There's a lot of communities that never see this. So as you and I know, the financial services community has been talking to me and you for quite a long time. Guess what? We're fine. We're doing okay, right? But we haven't been talking to everybody, and we need to start doing that. So we have been developing curriculum, working with schools around the country to give them curriculum to um, help support the other curriculum that they have, especially on the investing and wealth building side, to make that stronger and stronger. We're doing it for free, and we want to be out there as a company mission to make sure we're printing it. We're, we're providing financial literacy for everyone that needs it. And that is a big statement, but we're a big site. We believe that we have the you know the 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 editorial chops to do it and the reputation and it's the challenge that we need to step into as investopedia so when i look at the next 25 years for us or so i see that that that's what we need to be doing we're great at what we do we're a really good online platform for education but i just want to make sure that we're open and accessible to everybody and we're getting into the places that need it so that's what's got me going right now that's awesome well congratulations on that and good luck um, and what a huge opportunity and y'all are the right people to do it. So Caleb, thank you so much for coming on again and celebrating our 2000th episode with us. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage? I am pretty easy to find. We are at Investopedia on all social platforms. I'm at Caleb Silver on most all social platforms as well. But come to Investopedia.com, look at uh, the About Us page. You'll see not just me, but our entire great team of editors and, and staff that really helped keep Investopedia going. And we're doing all kinds of cool stuff on uh, uh, learning short lessons on TikTok and on Instagram. Of course, you can follow all that. But if you're interested in learning more about the financial literacy curriculum, if you are an educator, if you are involved in a school system and are looking for resources, reach out to me. I'm really easy to find. Uh, Caleb.Silver at Investopedia. I'd like to help you out in any, way we, in any way we can. And again, I'm just grateful for you for sharing your platform, not just with me, but for all the guests. You, you have created a space where people just like to be themselves and talk about the good things that are going on in their life. And I think that's why you're on your 2000th episode. Well, thank you, brother. If you enjoyed as much as I did, show Caleb your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Check out the Investopedia Express where you listen to your podcast. Uh, find Investopedia all over social media at Investopedia. Find Caleb um, on social media at Caleb Silver. And then go to Investopedia.com and check out all the wonderful resources that They've worked so hard to curate and create and all of those things. And if you are uh, associated or working with or volunteering, teaching at a school of any kind, and you're interested in bringing some great financial literacy curriculum at no cost, um, Caleb is your guy. Please do reach out and get in touch. Thanks again, Caleb. Thank you. Always good to be here. Until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.